Welcome to Light Church. We're so glad you could join us for this weekly message. We hope this message leaves you feeling inspired and equipped to be all that you were made to be. I wonder how you find making decisions. I wonder whether making decisions is something that comes easy to you. You know, should I do this? Should I not do this? Should I go there? Should I not go there? The thing is about life, a big part of life is about our ability to make decisions. Should I align myself with that? Should I not? See, the interesting thing is hindsight gives us the luxury of being able to look back at the past, look back at our life in the light of everything we know now, in the light of the present, in the light of how things actually turned out. I wonder if you've ever had one of those moments where you look back on your life, maybe a situation or something specific, a specific decision you had to make, and you look back on it and think, if only I knew what I know now. If only that younger me would know how that would turn out. Maybe it was a good opportunity, something that popped up and you thought, oh, I'll go for that. That's what I'm going to do. And you made the decision. Maybe it turned out to just kind of fizzle out and not, not become anything. Maybe it actually went sour and turned out to be a, you know, have a bad outcome. See, most of life, a big part of life is about our ability to navigate our way through the complexities of life, our ability to make decisions. Decision making is something we all will experience. See, if you want to build what God has called you to build, if you want to build the life that God has called you to build, or maybe God has called you to build something specific, you know, a business, a charity, or whatever it might be. It might be a family. It might even you know, be something real specific that God has called you to build. If you are going to build something of any significance or anything at all, you will encounter both opposition, as we've learned, but you're also going to encounter opportunity. And our ability to discern, our ability to to navigate these things, to be able to make decisions is of vital importance. So let's look at this idea of uh, discernment. So the dictionary defines discernment as the ability to judge well or the ability to know truth from error. See, the Bible, though, talks about this idea of discernment. It kind of pushes these pictures of the ability to separate some things from other things, or the ability to distinguish, or the ability to see the difference, to discover, to understand the difference. See, that's more than just an ability to choose either way. It's, the Bible kind of speaks about discernment as this idea to see what is really going on, to kind of separate right from wrong, go from bad, the, the right decision from the wrong decision. It helps uh, with our ability to navigate through complexity. So if we're going to build, if we're going to be people that build the life God is calling us to build, we're going to need to be people of discernment. We're going to need to be people that know how to navigate all the decisions we have to make. This life full of decisions. Should I go there? Should I not go there? Should, Should I be that person or not? Is that me? Is that not? Understanding discernment is going to be a big part of building. So how do I get discernment? You sat there thinking, yeah, I need discernment. I need, I need that ability to decide, you know, the right way to go. So for some people, the Bible says that some people have the gift of discernment. So some people just naturally have this ability, this God-given ability to just sense what's going on. 
you know, they just have a feel and something just isn't clicking. They're just, they're just getting a good read of the room, like something's not quite right. These people just have this, this discerning ability. They can discern, okay, that is seem, seems like God's will and this just doesn't seem like God's will. That seems like something God's calling us into or that just doesn't seem like it. If you're sat there thinking, yeah, yeah, that, that's me, you probably have a gift of discernment. So listen to this in 1 Corinthians 12, 10. Uh, Paul writes, he gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He also gives someone the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. So God gives certain people the ability to just see what's going on, more so than just you know, understand truth from error, but understand to see what is happening, see what is of God and what is not of God. Maybe you're sat thinking, well, that doesn't sound like me. I just don't have that. I I really want that. Well, don't worry. Listen to this. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So Hebrews is saying, look, the word of God helps us to discern. So when we encourage you to get into this book, this is not to puff up any religious intellect. This is not to to be a better Christian or to, to be able to memorize the verses or whatever it might be. The word of God helps us navigate this life. So if we want to be the people that God has called us to be, we need to know this word. We need to get it in us. It is so important. Uh, This passage is saying that this word of God can help us discern the intentions of people, the intentions of the heart, the thoughts of the heart. So if you're thinking, well, I don't have that gift, well, let me encourage you. Draw close to this Bible. Get into it. Get it inside of you. And when you start facing things in your life, God will bring those parts that you've put inside you, he'll bring them to the forefront. And you will be able to get that sense of, is this right? Is this not right? What it says in God's word. So I want to encourage you, if you feel like you're just lacking discernment, this is your tool. This is what you need to get into. The word of God is living and active. That means wherever you go, whatever you face, whatever situations you are facing right now, do not drop this book. Do not just leave it to the side and think, oh, that's my chore because that's what Christians do. This will help you navigate complexities of life. So we've been journeying through the book of Nehemiah and uh, we're drawing this series to a close date. It's been an amazing journey. We've seen uh, this whole idea of the rebuilding process and what God called Nehemiah to. And I guess the book of Nehemiah has shown us tons about prayer. It's, It's shown us about the call of God. It's shown us about impossibility. It's shown us about faith. Well, something that's really stood out to me in this book as we've journeyed through this is Nehemiah's leadership, his ability to make decisions. I don't know if you've noticed this, but in every uh, sort of step of this journey we've been on, Nehemiah just seems to be able to make good decisions. He just seems to be able to understand what's going on. He just seems to, to get what's happening and just be able to make decisions. He's unfazed. And the thing is about Nehemiah, he always turned to God. Time after time we see Nehemiah prays. He, he, you know, he like was seeking God. As soon as he heard about Jerusalem, he was praying. He was, you know, proper seeking God about it. 
and he was intimate with God. But he just seemed to understand things. He just seems to get it. He just wasn't phased by these quick decisions that he had to make. I believe Nehemiah was a man of discernment. He understood what was going on. Like that biblical definition we were looking at earlier, to understand the difference, not just see the difference, but understand the difference. Nehemiah had discernment. Let's look at this. We have journeyed through this passage. Obviously, the beginning, Nehemiah, this exile, he's a servant to the king of Persia. He's called to go rebuild the city of Jerusalem where his ancestors were. It's like his birthplace. This was a big job. It had been laid in ruins for years. And he hears about it. God calls him, you know, you're going to sort that. Like if you track through this series, uh, Holly preached this message, somebody should really do something about that. This feeling like I've got to do something. So Nehemiah goes, he boldly asks the king for some provisions and he ends up going, he sees the damage, he begins to rebuild, this crazy crowd of people come together who had never built stuff before and they begin to rebuild the wall. They face face ridicule, they face mocking, they face uh, enemy plots, they face opposition and still the wall is rebuilt. Then they just, they face all these different hurdles. They fight, they fall out. Nehemiah has to sort stuff out. You see this picture building. It's just been like this journey that they've been on. And then we arrive in chapter six, where we're going to look at today. We're going to look at this idea of discernment. So what happens is Nehemiah is is said that the wall was almost finished. In fact, the wall had been built. It was just the gates and some little bits around the edge of the wall that had still yet to be finished. So they had done it like this impossible task. Nehemiah had led the Jews through this crazy, like just everyone thought it was too short of a time they had to do it in. Everyone thought like, you know, you won't be able to do this. It's too crazy. And they'd managed to do it. So some of the uh, the opposition that we've met before, this guy called Sam Bell, okay, he, he has been mocking them and questioning them and trying to throw them off this from the very beginning. So what happens is he calls to Nehemiah, he writes him this letter and he says, hey, come down and meet us. And uh, this, I guess, this part of this story where we see Nehemiah's discernment, let's call this the distraction. Okay, so Nehemiah is about to encounter a distraction. So Sambala, he writes in this letter, come down and meet us. Come and meet some of the leaders from you know, the surrounding areas. Uh, some scholars would believe this would be kind of like a, a peace treaty style uh, of a meeting. And Nehemiah, he kind of understands what's going on here. It says in the passage that he knew this was a trap. They were actually out to cause him harm. So Sambala writes him, come and meet us. Come talk with us. And uh, Nehemiah instantly says, hey, look, I'm doing a great project here. Like, I've got stuff going on. Like, I'm doing God's work here. And then he says to Sambala, why should the work cease because of you? Like, why should I stop what I'm doing because you've called me to come be with you? See, we see Nehemiah's discernment here. So what seemed on the surface like just a normal invitation, what seemed on the surface just like, you know, I guess quite a bit of a formality, like come and meet the surrounding leaders. You've rebuilt the wall, amazing. Like come meet some people. Nehemiah knew. He just, he understood what was going on. He could, he could separate this, what seemed like a nice invitation from what was actually going on. He saw what was happening. And I love this where he says, look, I'm doing something here. I'm doing something that God's called me to. 
And this just made me think in our lives, there are some people listening to this right now that need to understand that your call is too big for some of the places that you've been going. Your call is too big for some of the relationships you've been engaging yourself in. Your call is too important for some of the websites you've been visiting, for for some of the, the standards you've been lowering yourself to. See, Nehemiah understood what God had called him to. And he says to Sambal, look, I can't go there because I'm doing something important. I've got something going on here that I just can't pause. Maybe in your life, when there's those invitations coming in, maybe the distraction, what seems like a good idea, maybe some discernment would say to you, hey, 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 hold up. Hey, don't go there. Your call is too important for you to sell that part of yourself. Your call is too important for that friendship circle, for for that seeming promotion at work, or for, for this reputation that you think you want. Your call is too big for that. Maybe some discernment would help you avoid some distractions in what God has called you to build. Nehemiah instantly understood, and I love Nehemiah's faithfulness. Sambala asked him four times, hey, come down, come down, and look, it's fine, just come down and meet with us. And every single time it says in the passage, he gave them the same answer. Sorry, what I am doing is of too much importance and significance. Why should I put it on hold for you? Can I encourage you right now? Some of you need to realize that you have been putting your call, you've been putting your purpose on hold to go and outlive some distractions, to go and engage in some things that are only trying to steal your time and pull you off where you're supposed to be. You need to get some discernment to realize, you know what, my call is too big for that. Nehemiah was a man of discernment. He understood that this was a distraction. Then the passage goes on a little bit and we're going to go into a phase we call the blackmail. So these were like, there was like three waves of opposition that come in chapter six, the, the distraction, the blackmail, and the shortcut. We're gonna look at these. So this next phase, this next wave of, of opposition, the blackmail. So what happens is uh, Sam Ballot then gets irritated. So Nehemiah just isn't coming down. He, he's just not gonna, he's not gonna engage. Sam Ballot's like, right, I need to get him throw, I need to throw him off the scent here. Look, we need to do something right now, gathers these people together. And Sambala writes him this real official letter, sends it to Nehemiah. And it basically says this, it says, Nehemiah, we know, okay, this kind of idea of like, hey, there's been people talking. Some people are saying, you know, you've heard that before. Some people are saying, look, look, we, we know that, that what's happening here is that you, you've got the Jews together, you've rebuilt the wall, and actually you're setting yourself up so that you can be the king. Now, there was already a king uh, over the whole region, and uh, they're accusing Nehemiah of, of starting this revolution. So they write this letter, look, we know what you're doing. We can see what you're doing, Nehemiah. You're rebuilding the walls. You're going to create this this city, a fortress. You're going to be the king. You're going to appoint prophets. You're going to try and rule this whole thing, cause this big political, social uprising. We, We can see what you're doing, Nehemiah. Again, Nehemiah with his discernment, he understands what's going on here. I wonder if you were in Nehemiah's position where someone begins to slander you or someone begins to say some things about you. Do you engage? Do you jump straight on it? Maybe do you like publicly try and defend yourself? Maybe discernment might say, hey, there's something deeper going on here. 
See, the enemy does not need to come and wipe you out. He just needs to distract you. He just needs to get in there, take your scent, get, take your focus off what it is God has called you to. Nehemiah understood that this blackmail, it was, it was absolutely nothing to do with reputation. It was actually nothing to do with this social political uprising. It was absolutely nothing to do with anything other than trying to distract him, trying to get him to stop rebuilding the wall, to stop leading the Jews in the way he was. So he understands this. In fact, Nehemiah, he doesn't even get he doesn't even get involved. He doesn't even engage himself and say, hey, hey, look, I'll prove to you. He starts breaking down his argument. Hey, let me show you. Actually, look, there's all these people who've said this and all these people who've said this, and they can they can back up my point. He doesn't even get involved. He simply says this: he says, Sambal, you have made this up in your own mind. And that is it. He doesn't even get involved. Sambala. It is all in your head. This is a chicken run moment. It's all in your head. And, and you think about this moment. Sambal is trying to get a rise out of him. He wants everyone to see all the people around Nehemiah. He wants them to see that actually he's this power hungry guy. And then it will just cause this big problem. And everyone would just be like, oh, maybe he is doing that. And it caused division. And ultimately, everything that they had built would just be for nothing. But Nehemiah had discernment. He could see what was really going on. He doesn't get involved. You know what? He lets his reputation speak for itself. He lets his life, his character, the way he'd conducted himself, his integrity, lets it all speak for itself and says, somebody, you've made this up. In fact, none of what you're saying is ever going to happen. It is not true. And he just moves on. See, this idea of blackmail where, where we feel like maybe someone has something over us or maybe we do it to ourselves, like actually people are going to think this and we start getting involved. Like I said, our opposition, it doesn't want to just, you know, wipe us out and come with this big, you know, crazy, monstrous attack. All it needs to do is to shift our focus from the thing that God has called us to onto defending ourselves and defending our reputation and proving to everyone that that's not true. Whereas discernment would just say, look what's really going on here and keep focused. So we see the distraction, we see the blackmail, then we see the shortcut. So what happens is in the passage, in this narrative of Nehemiah, this prophet comes to Nehemiah and he says, look, hey, we've seen the letter this isn't looking good for you. Like Sambal is going to come after you, okay? He is, he's going to kind of, he's going to bring an army. He's going to try and assassinate you. He's just going to come after you. You're not safe, okay? I have an idea. What we're going to do is like, why not go hide in the temple? They won't think to find you there. Like, go hide in the temple until everything settles down a little bit. And this guy, you know, he seems like he's, he's helping Nehemiah out. And Nehemiah, he says, why would I run? Why would I run and hide in the temple? Now, a little bit of context. We might think, you know, that sounds like a pretty good idea. It might seem like on the surface, like actually that's, that's a great shout. That's a really good idea. But the thing is, in the context of this time, only priests could go in the temple. And we've seen all throughout the Bible that, that God really, really cared about people honoring the temple and about people following his rules in the temple. So this is Old Testament, like they were, they were big on the rules. And in fact, there was a king who entered the temple into the Holy of Holies and God gave him leprosy because it was just so against the rules for anyone but a priest to go into the temple. 
this prophet saying to Nehemiah, look, you know, given the context, given, given the situation, Nehemiah, you should hide in the temple. And Nehemiah, with his discernment, understands what's going on here and understands that this guy was actually out to trip him up. It was like this shortcut moment. Look, Nehemiah, you'll be, you, can like, you can get around this whole thing if you just hide in the temple, if you just compromise yourself, if you just reduce your integrity, if you just cut that corner, if you just ignore the way God wants things to be done, maybe you'll be okay. I wonder whether this is ringing true for you in your life. Maybe this idea of the shortcut has been so prominent in your life. If you just do that in your relationship, if you just do that with your finances or tax or whatever it might be, if you just do that with your tithe or your giving, maybe then, you know, you, do you have to give that much? Do you have to pay that tax? Do you have to? And we begin to shortcut ourselves. And again, pull our focus off what God has called us to build. Nehemiah had discernment and he understood what was going on. He understood it was a trap. Some of you need to say no to some shortcuts. They seem like they're going to get you somewhere faster, but can I say they are only going to lead to destruction. They're only going to pull you away from what it is God has for you. Some of you need to say no to the shortcuts. Some of you need some discernment to see that this shortcut is not an easier way to the top, but it's a faster way to the bottom. Some of you need some discernment to see what is actually going on and to understand what is happening. So we have this distraction, the blackmail, the shortcut. Without discernment, Nehemiah would have been completely messed up. Everything that he had done, everything that he had built would have been for nothing. But because he had discernment to understand where God was leading him, to understand in his spirit what was right, I don't know about you, but I want some more discernment in my life. I want to be able to go through the complexities, the complications, the mess, the gray areas of life and know God's leading, know what it is, what peace feels like in the mess. We see Nehemiah, he builds what it is God has called him to build because he was able to discern the things that were coming at him. Some of us in our lives need discernment so we can actually build what it is God has called us to build. See, as we conclude this narrative, this walk through Nehemiah, I just want to draw our attention really quick to this foreshadowing role that Nehemiah has been playing throughout this book. Nehemiah has stood and foreshadowed. Obviously, Nehemiah is in the Old Testament. He's foreshadowed the coming of Jesus, the person of Jesus. If we look at the whole story, and we're not going to go into every detail now, but there is this big problem, this big thing that needs to be rebuilt. It's lying in ruins. Nehemiah comes and he pushes away all these oppositions and he rebuilds what it is that no one else could rebuild. Again, it just symbolizing or foreshadowing Jesus coming to rebuild humanity that was broken down and derelict in its sin that no other person could do but Jesus. Even in this passage, in these sort of areas, these three waves of opposition that Nehemiah faced, we can see the foreshadowing of Jesus. Look at this. Nehemiah, when Sambalat calls him down, come down, just come and meet with us. This kind of like a trap, come down, you'll be fine. Like this, don't worry, just leave the work. We see Jesus hanging on the cross and everyone's saying, well, if you are Jesus, if you are who you say you are, come down from the cross. 
when Nehemiah in this passage says, look, I, I'm doing something that you guys can't see here. I'm doing something that is so significant and important that I just, I can't come down for you. As Jesus hung on the cross and people saying, look, just come down, you're fine. When everyone thought he was in his weakest moment, it was the biggest uh, display of strength anyone could ever, ever display. Jesus knew he was doing something that was so significant and important, he could not come down from that cross for any reason. Oh, we see in the blackmail with this slander of Nehemiah, they're calling him, uh, you know, like, you're causing this revolution. They lie about him. Nehemiah doesn't get involved. We see this when people accuse Jesus of things and they, they call him these names and they, they say, this is why you're here. And again, Jesus doesn't say anything. He doesn't try and defend himself. He doesn't, he just sees the bigger picture. He knows what God is doing. I think it's amazing, this, this parallel that we see between Nehemiah and Jesus. It just points us, this whole book just points us back to the Savior, points us back to Jesus. We see in the shortcut, there's a, um, that moment where Nehemiah, like the, the priest, uh, the prophet is saying, look, there's a way out of this. You could, just, you could just sell out of this moment, you'll be fine, you'll be protected. We see when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness and, and Satan says to, to Jesus, look, you could bypass this whole thing. Just do a few things for me and you could bypass this whole experience. Jesus was offered the shortcut. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that Jesus did not bypass all that. That actually what Jesus did, that he actually saw it through to completion. Like Nehemiah, he saw this wall fully rebuilt and restored. I'm so thankful that Jesus went through everything he went through. And he didn't push it to the side. He didn't give up. But he pressed on for you and for me. And he hung on a cross. Can I encourage you? Jesus is your salvation. He is your hope. He's your future. He is everything that you will ever need, always. Jesus, he sealed it on the cross, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension back to heaven. All of it was for you. All of it was so that you could get back to God, so that you could live a life of freedom and purpose in relationship with God. All of that was for you. This whole story of rebuilding, Jesus has rebuilt the way for humanity to make it back to God. This morning, I want to encourage you, if you have never met this Jesus that we are talking about, this hope, this future, this prize, that you have never accepted him into your life, today could be a day that changes your life forever. All you need to do is turn from your sin, turn from the stuff that you do, and say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my brokenness, my everything, I give it to you. And today will be a day that you will never look at life in the same way again. So as we just bring this whole series to a close, as we just, I guess, enter this, uh, maybe the, the end of this narrative and we see what have we learned, what have we journeyed through here, we see Nehemiah as this character, someone that we can learn from, someone that just points us to Jesus, points us to the main point of this entire book. God revealing himself to humanity, making a way for humanity to make it back to God, this rebuilding, this restoration. We see Nehemiah and his character, he grieved, 
He ached, he prayed, he planned, he asked boldly, he went, he fought, he defended, he encouraged, he stood strong, and he saw it through to the end. That's the journey we've been on through this book of Nehemiah. And I want to encourage you in this idea of discernment and looking to the future, looking at the way forward and what it is that God has called us to build. Can we be people that grieve for things that need to be rebuilt, grieve for things that are wrong, grieve for those around us that don't know this hope that we have? Can we, can we ache for people? Can we pray for people? Can we actually plan and, and ask boldly for the things that we know God is calling us into? Can we actually stick it out? And as we move forward, can we have discernment to see what it is that's coming in to pull us away from what God has called us to? You know, I'm encouraged after we've looked over this whole passage, this whole story of Nehemiah. There is more to go. I encourage you to read it. But as we've journeyed over this, the same God that used this humble, exiled, cup-bearing servant in a distant land to solve a hundred-year problem in under two months is the same God that is living and active today and is calling you and wants to move through your life. The same God who wants to use your life to build something incredible. The question is, are you going to be the person that God wants to use? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for this incredible journey that we've gone on. I thank you, God, that you are living and active today. You are the same God that led Nehemiah through that process. You are the same God that is leading us into our future. God, we thank you that you can give us the gift of discernment. You, you can give us this Bible so we can navigate our way through the complexity of this life. God, I pray right now for just a movement towards discernment in our church so that we would be able to discern the big decisions, that we would be able to discern what it is that is out to trip us up and out to distract us and pull us away from the calling you've got on our lives. God, I pray for every single person that accepted you as their Lord and Savior today. I thank you, God, that today is a day that will change their life, change their eternity forever. God, we thank you that you are here and you are present. We thank you for your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's been an amazing series we've journeyed through this. If you missed any along the way, I want to encourage you to go and catch up. But uh, if you've taken that step for the first time today, I want to encourage you, Dan and Grace are going to jump on and talk you through the next steps. But we've loved having you with us today. And uh, we'll see you next week. You've been listening to a weekly message from Light Church. If you would like any more information, you can find us online or on social media. Thanks for listening.